the big show my name is always is Matt Teo and coming to you live surprisingly right here on YouTube right now and if you're listening to this you can go check it out on YouTube it's me Matt from Austin coming at you live and uh, from always planet Houston my brother Ken say hello Ken live long and prosper there we go well we are back from the hiatus here episode 10 of discovery pretty exciting episode lots of crazy stuff happened what do you think ken it is kind of amazing you know we've, we've talked about how the difference between episodic and serial television and this is the kind of thing that would have been wrapped up in an episode previously mm -hmm. you go to yeah. the mirror universe by the time the episode is over you're back and everything's back to normal but we have basically gone to the mirror universe and just gotten our bearings, and we don't know what's going on. This could last another it's episode. Right. It's a crazy. It could be the rest of the season. It's a crazy thing. Who knows what will happen? But we shall see. A little cliffhanger there at the end of this episode, which uh, an episode directed by some guy named Jay Frakes, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes. This guy coming out of nowhere. He's like a stranger to Trek, and suddenly he magically <laughs> appears, able to direct things. It's crazy. <laughs> own Commander Riker coming to you, directing episode of the show, I thought. That was a really great episode. Uh, well directed, I mean. Uh, I think it's funny because, so I don't think it was his first episode, but we have always, for many years, you and I have discussed how what a great episode cause and effect is. Mm -hmm. And how, uh, though we are seeing moments over and over again, we're not always seeing them from the same angle, or even sometimes we're, uh, you know, seeing, uh, seeing it from a slightly tilted angle, or something's a little bit askew. Uh, Jay definitely has a lot of fun going back and showing us the same thing over and over again, but definitely not the same way. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So, this episode is called Despite Yourself. Uh, interesting title for this one, I thought. Um, normally, I'd go into a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff, but hey, not a lot has happened. And, uh, you know, let's just jump right into this one, because I got a lot of notes all over this one, because a lot of stuff has happened. So, Boys, let's get to it. Previously on Season 1. And it's just basically like the first half of this season. Chapter one is what they're officially calling it. Uh, we just get everything. It's a nice, quick little refresher like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, that happened. Okay. Oh, and Stamets is like glassy-eyed and has fallen out of the, uh, the big uh, spore drive. And boy, now we're in a giant junkyard and we don't know where we are. Pick up into this episode. Here we are, the junkyard from the end of episode nine. Uh, Saru's having trouble, uh, you know, obviously finding his way in this uh, new universe, although yet yeah, we don't know it's a new universe. Um, 
He says, we are where we're supposed to be based on the distance from galactic center, but then nothing else in this universe is where it appears to be. Tyler goes off. And then Tyler walks in. Is this a coincidence? I don't know. Or do you think uh, his threat angle is going off because he's in a different universe or that he's uh, or because of Tyler? Which one is it? Do you think? It's, it's unclear. We see later on that uh, Stamets seems to be referring to Tyler as, you know, the enemy or the adversary or so. Now, on the one hand, you know, there's the theory that he's what core. The Klingon. Uh-huh. And so no, uh Voke. Voke. So it was possible that they're hinting at that once again. I mean, something uh-huh. is clearly up with this guy. Right. So, you know, it's possible these kinds of things refer to that. It's also possible that it's all misdirection. They know what they're hinting at and it's you know designed to set up a reversal that will make us all amazed. So it's, it's hard to say. Very true. Because the minute you make a speculation, you're like, you have to second guess yourself and go, well, maybe that's what they want me to think. Well, and two, it could just be compounded. You know, it could be we're in a different universe. Things are definitely different. And then here's this crazy Tyler guy, and we don't even know what the sitch is on him. All right. So moving on, the Vulcans have arrived now. You think, oh, good, Vulcans, they're nice guys. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and hail them. And as we hail them, we get some nice, uh, you know, Star Trekky sound effects. And that's really exciting. And then all of a sudden, the Vulcans power up their weapons and throw their shields up. So the Discovery now thinking, oh, no, the Vulcans are going to shoot at us. But instead thinking there must be some crazy Klingons around decide they're going to do the same thing. Fire. Uh, I think Lorca was not uh, not relying on the Vulcans being the Vulcans. I don't know. I don't know yet if he's at that if he's at the point where he's suspicious of everything in this new place. Uh-huh. I I in fact doesn't he don't they even say something like um, uh, yeah there must be Klingons in the area or something. Somebody yeah, says it, that it's Burnham, and I think at the very you know beginning okay. there. Burnham just could not imagine that Vulcans would fire on them. No matter what. Yeah, so, like, she basically, you know, pulled something out of her hat to go, well, there must be something we don't know, and they're going to shoot at something we don't see. Because they certainly wouldn't shoot at us. That would be absurd. Why would they ever? Yeah, but I felt like Lorca was like, nah, never mind. I'm going to do this other thing. And basically, of course, what he's doing is he's following that protocol that, uh, um, what's her name? Not Valeris, the other Vulcan. Uh, it's the nice. Kirstie Alley. When she advises Sabic. Kirk. Yeah, Sabic, there you go. You know, when she says, you know, when, when two ships haven't properly identified one another, the protocol is raise shields. And that's what he does. So I think he's just, he realizes the situation's a little bit hinky, a little bit weird. Things are not the way they should be. And so he's like, I'm, I'm going to go to that protocol right away. Well, I know as far as both of us are concerned that uh, Savick and Valeris are the same person anyway, so it doesn't That's really right. matter if you can <laughs> get the name wrong. 
So, um, back at it then, we get... Uh... Sorry, every time I go to switch the camera, it uh, moves the... Uh... So, uh, then all of a sudden, the uh, now the starship's name is Cooper. And it comes out of nowhere for the assist. But Lorca is now suspicious because he's like, isn't this supposed to be in, a, in, in the retrofit? Isn't that isn't it supposed to be getting refitted? What's happening? So now we find out uh, from, from the captain of the Connor that the, the Vulcans were rebels. Now, are they saying that they were Vulcan rebels or that the Vulcans are being called rebels? Which one is it? We don't know. Things are confusing because we have seen at this point, of course, already Vulcan rebels. So... Those logic anyway, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, we cut now down to engineering uh, where the uh, spore drive is, and we find uh, Stamets is uh, down for the count still. Uh, he's completely unconscious. He's uh, kind of barely alive, uh, but is like is everything spiking in his brain. And uh, Tilly just calls the spore drive inoperable. So there's no way we're getting out of this right away. Uh, then Saru notices that the uh, quantum signature is off. It's not the same as uh, everything else in our universe. Lorca puts it all together, and he says, we must be not in our universe. Credits! So, uh, while we're in the opening credit segment of our thing, I just want to talk about again how the special effects are still amazing. Uh, it's like the best looking show on TV, I swear it. But it's so like also sad because everything is happening so fast in this episode. Like a moment to just like really look and gaze upon how awesome the special effects are. I mean, that's good. It means they're telling the story. But like, I swear any scene of this could be a wallpaper on the PC, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, we get that awesome uh, Jonathan Frakes credit. Yay, Jay Frakes. Now we're back to it. Lorca tells Saru and uh, Burnham about, uh, about the possibilities that he and Stamets were, uh, were coming up with as far as the parallel universes. Uh, they were going to explore more after uh, they had gotten back in and gotten the retrofit and Stamets had given everything up finally. Uh, Burnham then also reminds us the important uh, dangling thing from last season of the uh, of finding the cloaked Klingon ships and how important it is that we, uh, you know, get that information back to the Federation that we know. Burnham suggests uh, also that they look through the drive logs and see if they can find the coordinates home. But Lorca, ever the strategist, decides that we are now, uh, that the best idea is to learn how to survive here. And then once we figure that out, home. We see, uh, see uh, wide-eyed Stamets, right? He's gibbering on and on about the palace. What's the palace? Ooh, I just had a thought. This is stupid that I didn't think of this before. I just had a thought. So we know we have an emperor, a faceless emperor in this uh, right. world. Could that be, could it be that palace, you know? Maybe is there a future a, a mission where they have to go to the, uh, the, the emperor's palace? Uh, go away. Okay, so um, 
Tilly now is trying to drag Stamets, you know, uh, uh, out of it. You know, she's trying to say, uh, you know, what was the humidity that I'm supposed to keep the spores at? I don't remember. Uh, uh, but then all of a sudden, Stamets gets up and he starts walking him around. Uh, 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 Culber tries to come over and, like, uh, you know, uh, get him back in his seat, but, but Stamets just pushes him. And then walks back over and lays back in bed. So they decide they're going to have to put a force field around it for the safety of not only not only everybody around it, but for Stamets himself. Orca then takes uh, Culber off the case, says that he uh, lacks the uh, uh, the objectivity, and of course he isn't liking it. In space now, we see uh, Tyler in one of those little bug ships, right? And he's trying to find the central data cord or one of the Klingon ships that's uh, blown up and uh, all over the uh, the junkyard here. But then his PS PTSD sits in. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, he finds a Vulcan and Andorian bodies inside the Klingon ships. And he's sweating. But he manages to pull the core out of the uh, out of the computer core uh, undamaged. I also liked his little like hollow controller that he had going on there. I thought that that was pretty cool. So here we go. We got this guy. We have a character that we can't even really trust because he's, uh, you know, he's got the PS PTSD going on. And obviously, we see much more about what's happening inside this guy than anybody else does. This continues to happen through this episode, of course. Uh, uh, what are we going to do about this guy? All right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, as all of this is going on, like Burnham is sort of like talking him through the, uh, you know, through the commands, telling him what to do. And Lorca, you can kind of see, is sort of like watching off to the side, like, all right, something's going on here. Not sure what it is, but, uh, you know, afterwards he confronts Burnham and he says, I need to know if I can rely on my crew. Can I, Burnham? Of course, Burnham, like, uh, yeah, of course, sir. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I ain't got nothing to worry about. Um, and it's funny because uh, uh, this doesn't feel like this is all about Tyler either, right? right like it's right. also a little bit about Burnham. Uh, yeah, because... I think it's a big Burnham piece there because she's covering for him. He can tell that he's having some difficulty and she's helping him out. So she apparently knows what's going on, but hasn't yeah. brought him up to speed, Lorca. So yeah. then when he goes over there and says, can I count on my people? Part of what he's saying is, you know, are you going to tell me when stuff's not right? And, you know, maybe someone shouldn't be on the job or. And of course, then she says, yes, which means, of course, that at some point, Tyler has to be, you'll cover for me, right? And she'll be like, yeah, I'll totally cover for you, which is the giant Chekhov's gun. He's going to fail and she's going to have to it'll be like. Oh, sorry, Lorca. Yeah, exactly. I saw a thought, too, that this is a little similar to uh, um, the, uh, you know, what just happened down in, down in, uh, down in the, the med bay, you know, with him taking uh, old Hugh off of the, uh, off of the case with Stamets. This is also sort of that same little thing going on here where, you know, Burnham obviously knows something and trust you two working together because this doesn't feel right. You know, it's that kind of thing I feel like is going on. Right. Um, 
also the other note i wrote here is that uh boy do they need a ship's counselor huh seriously so after this uh tyler comes in and confronts laurel in her uh in her cell uh, and he's like, what did you do to me? And she's Although like, I felt like this was a, uh, a flashback. You think? I don't think this is a flashback. I think this is happening now. I think he like got out of the little crawler, came up and was <laughs> like, uh, hey, I'm having more problems and you are doing this to me, you know? All right. So uh, anyway, so then he's like, what did you do to me? And she's like, oh, you know what we did? And I'm like, that's gross. So then uh, uh, Laurel tells him, hey, open up the cell and I will tell you everything you want to know. And he does. And ah, I hit the pause anymore. I'm like, what is he doing? This isn't going to end well. <laughs> yeah. So that's as much as I got for this week's show because I couldn't get it. All right, all right. <laughs> I had to. I had to. I had to keep watching because it was not a good. Uh, it was not a good time. Anyway, so uh, but hey, it comes back and it's Icky. She like comes on to him. It's like you know trying to get all sexy on him and uh, and uh, and on her neck. And then she says, "In Klingon, whom do you seek?" And suddenly, Ken's right. It's the Manchurian Candidate all over again. Uh, but then suddenly, the screen goes black. And then Tyler finds himself, like, across the room with a phaser in his hand. But apparently, the programming didn't work. It didn't stick. And now he puts the gun to her head. And then they almost kiss. And now we're all just as confused as he is. And now we go to commercial. <laughs> So this is actually then where the question I wrote at the time is Manchurian candidate or is Voke sliced in there somehow? And guess what? I was right. <laughs> Apparently Voke seems to be somehow spliced in. Ah, we're not there yet, but that's what it seems like is happening. And that's uh, just some kind of crazy genetic thing going on there. Back at it. Burnham sits with Tyler. Uh, there's some nice character bits here. They're like talking in the lunchroom like they have so many times before. Uh, some nice character bits here. Uh, Tyler trying to uh, stay on top of what's going on. You know, he's like, I can't tell anybody about my PTSD until we get home because they're going to take me off duty and put me in a cell or something. Uh, but he promises to tell Burnham that, uh, uh, that if things start to go bad, that he'll tell her, which, you know, that's like trusting a drug addict to tell you, uh, hey, next time I do drugs, <laughs> I promise I'm yeah, going yeah. to tell you that everything is bad. So clearly this isn't a good idea either. Oh, no, it's horrible. But Burnham goes, yeah. Compounding the horrible. <laughs> Truth. Um, in engineering, Burnham and Tilly... Uh, uh, oh, they're, uh, they, they pry open the core and they, uh, and they, they, they find like a Vulcan uh, memory cube inside of it or memory diamond or something <laughs> anyway so she decides she's gonna plug it into the universal interface and uh <clears throat> then they discuss with stamets oh no then they talk about stamets not with stamets <laughs> uh, they, 
which uh, is again, some dialogue happens, nothing really new. I didn't feel like they were just expressing their sadness for Stamets. And uh, then we see what the core has to tell us. This is a parallel universe, not governed by the Federation, but the vicious Terran Empire. Dun, dun, dun. A return of the Terran Empire. The Terrans are the opposite of the Federation. Xenophobic, run by a faceless emperor. Maybe it's Lorca, maybe it's Burnham. But will we later find out that it's neither? Or maybe it is them, and that's where they disappear to. Who knows? Um... <clears throat> All the non-human species we find are fighting for their freedom against those dang Terrans. Uh, so uh, help me with the lore here. This is pretty much uh, uh, equitable with what we know of the um, of the mere universe, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's an episode in Enterprise, there's a two-parter, um, but there's an encounter. With uh, in Enterprise, then we get the one episode from the original series. Right. We get a lot of stuff in DS Nine. They really enjoy the Mirror Universe, but it it's all taking place in the future. You yeah. know, in DS Nine time, they don't talk about the past very much. So it, it's really hard to say. Well, we know that there's an alternate Spock, right, uh, in the Mirror Mirror episode. He has a goatee! He has a goatee. That's how we know he's the evil one. That's right. But that makes me wonder, then, if the, how, are the Vulcan, how is a Vulcan, then, on a Terran ship in, in the Empire? The Terran Empire. And, you know, if you recall, he had a, another Vulcan bodyguard in that one. So, apparently there are some Vulcans... Things have changed over the uh, 10 years in the mirror universe between, <laughs> between well, Discovery and Enterprise. So they do mention that the Vulcans are rebelling, right? So there is a suggestion that... Oh, that's true. You know, that they're supposed to be part either as a conquered part or, you know, a subjugated part, an enslaved part, something like that. And so Spock must have been, you know, one of the ones who stayed loyal or... You know, That's fair. Were... And then the Cooper returns, and uh, we uh, have to uh, have to answer the hail. But how do we answer the hail? We don't even know who the captain is. So luckily, uh, digging through the memory core as she does, Burnham finds out that it is none other than Tilly is the captain of the Discovery in the Mirror Universe. Which, of course, hints at that reference that Stamets made. Is what? So he had like um, come out of the chamber all all wacky, and referred to her as Captain. The Captain, what are you doing here? Oh, that's and right. She was like she was like what? And he was like, uh, "Oh, it's nothing, you know." And then he gets mad, and it was the end of cool, friendly Stamets and the return of Grumpy Stamets. That is right. Interesting. Love it when they do stuff like that. Okay, so uh, Lorca then turns the chair toward Tilly and says, Cadet, looks like you're taking this one. Which is uh, not only amazing, but hilarious. I love the whole scene with her. Like, uh, what the heck? Hell, hell, hold yeah. your horses. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> good job. Good one. Uh, and then uh, we also get the amazing moment here where 
she hands the uh, she hands the communicator over to to uh, uh, her her engineer, who turns out to be Lorca with a great Scottish accent. <laughs> that was amazing. Call back to our uh, own uh, Scott Montgomery Scott, definitely. Then um, Lorca demands that we now get the crew up and uh, up and running on the current interviews. The you know they're they're going to get new iconography. Everybody's going to learn their new parts, who they are, including Tilly. And now it's time for a montage. We find out that she's like. The Slayer of Santology or something. I don't know. I didn't quite hear it. Uh, we get new iconography put up along the walls and uh, on the computers. We also find out that she's the uh, Witch of Wernmeyer. Uh, then uh, we also find out that another name for her is Captain Killy. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, Lorca officially announces them the ISS Discovery Commercial. So this now explains also the picture that we had of uh, Jason Isaacs when he was in the captain's chair and in the background was the plaque for the ISS. Uh, you remember that? I talked yep. about that, so now we got that. You know, it's funny that they would have the same names, right? Because Discovery, you know, so I read a, a review that contrasted the mirror universe whose principal virtue or principal... Um, yeah, we'll call it a virtue, but it's the virtue of their world is, is brutality. Brutality is how you get ahead. Uh -huh. Brutality is how you win in that society. Whereas in traditional Star Trek, it's more curiosity. And so it would seem odd that you would have a ship named Discovery in their universe instead of saying, well, we got the exact same ship, but it's named Avenger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And all I'd have to say is like, there's a sh there's a ship with uh you know similar to Discovery with his markings and everything, and yet that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. That's funny. Uh, also, I think it's interesting about this, especially when it comes to Mirror Mirror specifically. I'm unfamiliar with many of the other uh, Mirror Universe episodes, uh, although they did just do a cartoon or a comic book series. I mean. Uh, with uh, the next generation in the year in the mirror universe, which is and, interesting because uh, they've never done mirror universe. Exactly, that's what was amazing about it. So as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I'm gonna have to start collecting this. Uh, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't finished the last episode or the last issue yet. But what's fun about it is, is that it's basically. Um, so of course, you know, as we know from, uh, uh, DS9. Anyway. No, I think it maybe I don't know. Anyway, things aren't going well for the Terrans against the in the in the war. So there yeah. isn't, so there aren't a lot of ships. So Picard's still on the Stargazer and like mm -hmm. his ship's falling apart. But then he hears rumors that they're building a brand new, you know, uh, what, what what's what what's the Enterprise D? What kind of ship? The Galaxy class. Yes, they're building a new galaxy class, uh, you know, thing. And it's going to be the, you know, the ship that's going to go through and take out all of the, you know, and, and really is going to like win the war for them. And so, uh, of course, it's going to be helmed by Captain Jellico. So, um, so uh, also on his ship is Barkley and Yar, right? Well, he finds out that there's a secret coup 
coming up from Yar, she's going to kill Picard and then try and take over the Stargazer. But of all people to help him out, it turns out that it's Ensign Barkley who takes out Yar. And then, um, anyway, so he gets this group together. And of course, Jordy is working on the Galaxy class ship. And he, he feels like, ah, there's one other person I need. And so he goes into this bar and he basically gets into this fistfight brawl with uh, Riker. And then Riker, you know, agrees to become his first so that, you know, he can go out there and, you know, kill everybody else and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's this whole great, it's a whole great storyline. And so they end up taking the, the, the D from, uh, from Jellico and uh, you know Wesley's there and uh, and so's Doctor Crusher. It's it's a great anyway. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, I haven't finished it yet, but it's a good time. But all of this to say is that uh, usually in these episodes we find ourselves exploring more the other galaxy. And I and and of course at first I I, I didn't realize this was only going to be a it was going to be more than one episode. So I guess we'll get more of that in the next episode, but sort of like looking around and Ooh, and who are these people? We get a little of that with captain Tilly and, uh, you know, finding out that Lorca and, uh, and, uh, 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 Burnham are, uh, not in this universe per se, but, you know, I feel like a lot more of these episodes are them exploring the other side of it and seeing what it's all about. And yet in this, just the ship, you know, the actual, the ship crew itself figuring it all out and not actually seeing the other side of it yet. You know, we haven't seen right. our goateed bad guy for, uh, <laughs> for instance. So back to, back to it. We're in uh, Lorca's ready room. Uh, Burnham has found that uh, in this universe, she is presumed dead and, is, and Lorca is wanted for murder. Lorca attempted a coup against the Faceless Emperor. Of course, he did. Of course, that sounds like Lorca. Uh, but Burnham tried to stop him. And so uh, and so he, uh, so he, Burnham is sent with the Shinzao to, to meet up with uh, Lorca's old ship. And Lorca then, or and then Burnham is in a shuttlecraft and they think that she's dead. And so Lorca's wanted for murder and it's a whole big thing. Uh, it's also, Lorca also takes this moment to sort of wax philosophic about destiny. Uh, and whether or not Burnham, you know, was Burnham always meant to be something better, uh, more than, you know, just somebody who started a war. Uh, Lorca then suggests a new plan, which, uh, which uh, Saru calls suicidal. They are not the first ship to arrive here. We find out it's the Defiant. Dun, 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 and right. uh, this is an Enterprise reference, right? Yeah. So in, in the two-parter, you have the mirror unit, which is, you know, a great, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's, uh, so when you, normally you watch Enterprise and they've got that, it's been a long time yeah. from here to there. And instead what you get is this different beginning. Bum, 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 <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And instead of seeing, you know, like, the astronauts walking on the moon or, you know, breaking the sound barrier, you know, doing the things that they do in that when they ultimately get to yeah. uh, hitting the warp. Instead, it's like World War II footage. <laughs> and then you're like watching footage of, you know, more modern wars. And then you're doing other wars. And <laughs> it's just war footage. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Love it. And so instantly you are, there's no reference to like the regular Star Trek people. It's just it's a different right. show, and uh, you're following the 
the mirror Captain Archer, and he gets some word that, you know, there's this ship from the future, and it's a, uh, you know, the Defiant, and he's going to go and get it, because the guy who has that, well, he would be in such a huge advantage in the Empire. Yeah. So that's what it's about. It's about him getting this ship from the future. Love it. It's fantastic. So... Uh, so then Lorca suggests a new plan. They're going to go uh, find out as much information as they can about the Defiant. Because apparently the Defiant came over in like a, uh, what did they call it? Like a, uh, 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 it's right on the tip of my tongue. Temporal bubble. That's what it came, that's what okay. it was. Temporal was the word I was having trouble with. Anyway, so, uh, so the uh, way to do this, of course, is it's just a real simple and easy plan. All they have to do is sneak aboard the Shinzo, pretend that they're playing them tear themselves, and then find out all that information. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> it sounds like the simplest plan in the history of the world. Why would they not? It's fine. So uh, Lorca decides also to make uh, Tyler a part of uh, what would be uh, Burnham's personal guard in this time period. Although we didn't hear anything about Tyler. We don't know anything about Tyler in this other universe. Like he could have been on the ship. They got lucky. Hopefully they checked it out. But so uh, Tyler then goes to Doc Culber and says, uh, Hey, uh, can you just like triple check me? Make sure that everything is good with my Pete. Well, it's not PS3. <laughs> so, I mean, just make sure that everything's fine. And Culber's like, well, we scanned you. Are you. Have you been having any problems? And Tyler's like, no, 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 no problems. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm completely emotionally a-okay but on the off chance that i wasn't okay could you just give me another chest please and culver's like well we've already scanned you already uh we even gave you the uh, manchurian test i'm like they just called it out i loved it they're like yep manchurian test it's a thing <laughs> so uh tyler lies down uh saying uh, we're gonna get you we're gonna get you in ship shape so he lies down in the cat scan booth as uh, all of a sudden Stamets yells, stay out of the palace. So uh, Hugh then goes over to Stamets and I paused again because they're setting up some kind of weird tension here, it felt like. Uh, you know, you got Tyler underneath this thing so suddenly he could start going into crazy PTSD. Stamets could be over here and start yelling about the palace again and go nuts. Like, I didn't know what was about to happen here. I just thought it was something bad. So I paused it again. <laughs> <clears throat> oh no, it's fine, it's fine. Because Culber just kisses him and everything's good. And then Stamets' eyes clear for a second, no longer cloudy. And, uh, and he looks at him and says, uh, be careful, the enemy is here. There you go. So I paused again, because now I really don't like this again all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm like, who are we talking about? Are we talking about Tyler? What are we talking about? Are we just talking about being in this mirror universe? Uh, okay. Well, anyway, nothing you know, happens the, in this scene, the, luckily. The other possibility is that Stamets could be in touch with his multiple selves, right? So he mm -hmm. he could be the Jekyll and Hyde. He could be, you know, good True. Stamets from our world and simultaneously bad Stamets from the mirror universe. Yeah. Very true, very true. So, uh, breath, fresh air, nothing happens here. Uh, we cut to Tilly, who says that she is about 60% uh, excited or 40% uh, terrified. <laughs> no, 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 it's 60% yeah. terrified. <laughs> yes, and 40% excited, or maybe it's 70%. <laughs> anyway, uh, we then cut to Tilly, 
who uh, who's got now you can see her hair long. Thought she looked really good that way. Very like, you know, uh, uh, Viking or something, you know, very like Imperial. Yep. Um, Burnham. Uh, Burnham then kind of helps Tilly get into character by telling her that the Terrans live in fear. You know, they're in fear of the next knife in their back. Uh, their strength is a facade because uh, they're living in fear the whole time, while your strength comes from an entire crew behind you that believes in you. Uh, and then Lorca arrives. He says, uh, oh, this is, this is going to work. Let's do this. And she's like, great. Let's keep. Let's not keep these assholes waiting. <laughs> Too oh, much? Is that <laughs> was that too much? <laughs> Not in this universe. Decency <laughs> is out the window. So uh, then Tilly calls over to the Shenzhou and uh, and uh, the captain of this ship, who's also, whose name is also Cooper, so that was a little confusing. I don't know why they had to do that, but anyway, uh, was Burnham's ops, op uh, ops officer and died at the, uh, at the big battle at the beginning of the season. Kind of a little bit freaked out by seeing one of her formerly dead, you know, crew members alive. Uh, uh, but the show goes on, and Burnham like brings out Lorca for Cooper to see. She demands he bring her, uh, uh, he bring her ship to her at once. Uh, Cooper kind of hems and haw for a second, and then Tilly says, "If you responded that way to me, then I would cut out your tongue and lick my boot with it." <laughs> okay. So Cooper cooperates. Back to the med bay, everything is fine. Culber uh, may have just found something. Because if he had ever had any kind of neurological th uh, therapy, he says there are kind of scars everywhere. Uh, looks like your limbs may have been shortened. Uh, and, that, uh, and that while there are no personality engrams found initially, it seems like a new personality might have been, um, you know, laid on top Wrapped of it. it on that top. could transform you. Yeah. I know, right? That could transform you both mentally and physically. So Tyler's like, okay, cool. We'll get that checked out when I come back. But then uh, Culper stops him, which, you know, again, no big deal. Except then Tyler then snaps his neck. Yikes. Open. And then they went to commercial. And then I said, what just happened? This is crazy. And then in another funny moment, the CBS app then skipped the commercial for me. Yeah. The one time that I actually needed it. <laughs> you needed to find out about some soper insurance. Yes, exactly. Come on, scrub <laughs> what just happened from my brain. This isn't cool. So we've lost our second, you know, kind of not counting anybody on the Shinzu, right? Not counting Captain Giorgio. Right. Yeah. So we lost the secure the first security officer who looked like a very competent, serious sure. person. Now we've lost the doctor. So this very much is a world in which anybody could die. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true. So I was, I was reading an article that, uh, or a review of this that was sort of complaining about just this new trend in TV, you know, Walking Dead and uh, yeah. uh, 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 Game of Thrones. Like, you know, now it's suddenly like, oh, now we're just watching for these big shock values to see who's going to die next. And, uh, you know, I've been watching... Uh, walking dead for a long time and the latest death that they had i thought was really annoying because i think that that character had a lot of room for growth so it was stupid that they did it and then also he was like if you think about it too like 
when we were presented with this new discovery of a, like a new diverse, you know, group of uh, people from different, um, you know, backgrounds and different sexual orientations and blah, blah, blah. And then we've killed the, you know, the Asian captain. We've killed the, uh, you know, the uh, 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 Spanish descent, uh, you know, security officer. Right. And now we've killed the doctor who is not only an African-American guy, but also a homeless. It's like, oh, well, we're just cutting out all the diversity out of this episode or out of this show. Which well, I was like, you know, there's the reverse argument. There's the reverse argument, right? So this originally comes from football. And I forget who said it, but they said, you know, we'll know that we have real equality, not when they hired the first black coach, but when they fired the first black coach. <laughs> right. So in that sense, if you're going to have a diverse cast, then it's going to be a diverse cast of deaths as well. <laughs> That's true. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, because we still have, you know, we have our, uh, 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 our, you know, Ash, and even though he's a little bit crazy, he's, you know, of his particular region of the world, and we have, you know, Michael, My- Michael Burnham, who's black, and then we, you know, so it's like we still have, the diversity is still there. Right. So obviously, yes, the more diversity we have, the more diversity people are going to get killed. And of course, so you know, I- over the long term, they're gonna, that we're going to have another doctor at some point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And maybe they won't die. (laughs) We'll have to see. I mean, Bones never did, so uh, we'll see what happens on the show. So, um... (laughs) I wrote, back to it, but I've given up. The the Shenzhou appears. Shenzhou appears. Uh, They beam over after an awesome speech by Lorca where he's like, you know, uh, uh, Ash says he's, he's sorry for being late. You know, he's like, no, no, it's okay. At this point in line, decency is dead, right? We got to go in. We got to prove that we are these evil sides of ourselves that we don't like. So uh, they beam over and, uh, you know, immediately Burnham's like, nope, I'm going to personally escort Lorca to the brig because I don't want anybody trying to take the huge bounty on this guy. And uh, we find uh, agonizer booths. Oh, yeah. Which I thought were, were awful looking. Your agonizer, please. Let's get to it. Jeez. Uh, so, uh, which I'm sure is going to be a bad afternoon for him. Oh. In the, in the turbo lift, uh, Cooper explains that he was the one who came out on top after Burnham left, but only barely. The emperor saw something in me, he says. Then attacks her out of nowhere. Uh, but smartly, she sees it coming. After all, why else would he be talking about this? Uh, and then the attack ends poorly for Cooper. That's a fun little fight. I like the way that they use like the area. They you know they kick right. open that panel and all that stuff. It was really great. And then, uh, but I just love how it ends with the uh, and Cooper yeah. just falling dead. <laughs> it's like I'm back. How y'all doing? Welcome back. I'm here. Let's keep doing this. Uh, what's really cool, though, is that they give Burnham a moment where you can just tell by the look on her face that she did not enjoy any bit of that at all. So oh, yeah, really yeah. Happy. Uh, but the bridge applauds, you know, long live Captain Burnham, long live Captain Burnham, long live the Empire. Now, this would have been a, that would have been a really cool shot to, like, just end this episode on. But we got to bring it a little bit more. We got to really, like, twist the knife a little bit. So uh, they do. Uh, in her quarters, she uh, finds Ash chance yet to gather the information on the Defiant, and everyone on the Shinzu has been trying to curry favor with her, so she never gets a moment alone. 
And of course, she doesn't want to draw suspicion, right? Because, you know, it's her first day back. People we might get suspicious. Uh, Ash swears that he is here and that no matter what's happened, he's going to protect her. Do you understand what I'm saying, he says? Now, I'm honestly, at this point, unsure if I even know what's going on in Ash's head at this point. Like, what, what, is, what is he talking about? Like, I don't even know if he understands what he's saying. I know that he's going to vehemently protect Burnham, but he's also got a lot of other stuff going on internally as well. What do you think about uh, this little speech that he has here? Well, I think one of the ways that he protected Burnham so far was by killing the doctor. Because in his mm -hmm. current state of mind, he thought, I got to go. I got to protect her. I can't, I can't be taken off this mission. I can't let him sideline me, you know, for some whatever it is that they're discovering. I've got to be there. I got to be there, you know, protect her. And if that means killing the doctor, hey, I'm, a, I'm on board. I'm going to break yeah. some necks right here on the med bay floor. So who knows what he's capable of? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he might be he might be destined to like rule this new universe. Jeez. He's a crazy person. Uh Anyway, so she moves closer to him and they get to start to embrace and he and uh she says, "I'm saying it back." And then there's some brown chicken brown cow going on here uh, all the way to the end of the show. <laughs> And again, just to finish twisting that knife just a little bit more, we see Lorca and the Agonizer. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Whew. It was, what a it crazy was agonizing. Episode. So it was agonizing, exactly. Oh, my goodness. I got some more thoughts here. I, uh, I, I, I loaded up some stuff from some other uh, reviews that I had read. Just have to bring them up slowly, but surely. Oh, uh, so I was reading a uh, an interview. It's on StarTrek.com. So if you want to, go ahead and look it up for yourself. It's really interesting with uh, Mr. J. Franks himself, who was saying that he uh, he really dug the cast and crew. He's like, they are already, you know, halfway through a season where it took us almost two or three years as a cast to get to. You know, uh, they really enjoy hanging out with each other. He goes, when, you know, when it was Anthony Rapp and I hanging out on the on the set, we were singing show tunes and having a good time, as I am wont to do, he says. Uh, uh, you know, he says that especially on these heavier days, it's better to not dwell in the, he goes i'm not one of those people who's like all method and tells you know he's like we were cracking jokes up until the moment they said roll them on the show and he goes i feel that they were the same way on this show that the cast and crew are awesome and had a great time uh he also said that he also helped develop it wasn't in the script this way but he helped develop that whole turbo lift sequence on the uh on the on the on the so uh all thanks to Jake Frakes, another, you know, fascinating, uh, intriguing episode. Uh, he really digs the cast. He hopes he can come back next season and direct something else because uh, he, he had a really good time. Anything else you got to say about this episode? Anything we haven't hit yet? I think, you know, one of the things, that, so uh, I'm going to, yeah. Just touch back on some of our Star Wars talk from the last episode. We did our little review of The Last Jedi. Uh, 
And one of the things they're doing uh, is also going to be up on YouTube. One of the things that, that I think they're doing there is they're, they're changing some of our understandings of things in the past. And, you know, part of they're doing that is, you know, they're saying, well, you know, these heroic endings didn't end up quite as heroic as we thought they did. That there was a little more tragedy built into this world, you know. And, and of course, there's lots of tragedy from the beginning, right? So it's not all that surprising that people don't end up just in happy places, right? And I right. think, you know, they're doing the same thing for us here in Discovery. So we are not getting the sense that the Star Trek utopia was inevitable. Instead, right. we're getting the sense that, you know, there was some bad stuff that had to be done to get us from here to there. You know, these guys have to go into the mirror universe and be brutal in order to get the information yep. to come back and get those, that information about the Klingon, you know, cloaking devices to mm -hmm. the Federation. And, and this, you know, we are again looking at the dark side. So an enemy within, right? Right. Where we're going to have to embrace, in a sense, our inner Lorca. And, uh, you know, so like there was a lot of discussion about, you know, was Lorca too aggressive, too dark a character? Was he really a Star Trek, you know, kind of a guy? Right. And, you know, I think clearly in the the discovery you know, scenario here, yeah, he is. He's the guy who realizes we've got to be, you know, dark in order to maintain the light, which is an argument from, you know, the enemy within. It's just that there was a much more utopian uh, you know, sense of the original series and, and where Roddenberry was running the show. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I think I've even read somewhere that the producers are saying that, like, hey, we got to get through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. Like this... Right. It, it, the Federation just didn't start off, as we've already seen from Enterprise, the, the Federation just didn't start off on the right foot and be like, hey, we know what we're doing. Let's do this, blah, blah, blah. So we have to see the dark to get to the light. Um, speaking of the dark and the light, another interesting thing I read in, in a review was the idea that when you start with characters who are already a little bit dark, like your Lorca, like your Burnham, who are already, you right. know, dealing with things on a little bit different level than everyone else in your regular universe, that when you go then to the mirror universe, <clears throat> is there enough black and white, you know, right. uh, between the two sides, uh, between the two different universes? Is there any good in the Terran universe or is it completely snuffed out because it's useless to them? Point two. Mm-hmm. Um... Notes. That's it. That's all I got. I think I've uh, been able to uh, cover everything I wanted to cover. As usual. Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's getting very cold here, so if you could just beam down some hot coffee. Yes, Mr. Sulu. I'll get it down as quick as I can. <laughs> could you just lower a rope? For those of you on our uh, video side of the podcast, you can see my brother wrapped in a blanket. He has so graciously turned off the heat in his in his apartment so that uh, we won't get any weird background sounds for the audio. That was so kind of you, Ken. We appreciate it. 
So I'll wrap this up so you can uh, get all nice and warm. It'll be very nice. Hey, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks everybody for listening. If you're listening in the usual places, we are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. We are on the YouTubes now. Uh, we just did our uh, awesome talk about The Last Jedi. So if you want to hear about some Star Wars, uh, check for that. Uh, it should be live right now on YouTube. And uh, hey, thanks for watching this one. Seeing what you look like, seeing how goofy I am with my flailing arms and all <laughs> the fun. We'll be back next week with what's going to be another awesome but dark mirror episode of Star Trek Discovery. So as always, I am Matt saying goodbye and now say goodbye from Houston, Ken. Peace and long life. That's right, and we will see you all next week.